Friends, please open your Bibles now to Luke chapter 7. And those of you uh, receiving this teaching in Fellowship Hall, please open your Bibles. Those of you who are with us online, it's time to stop doing whatever else you're doing, pretending that you're looking at church on your computer. Pick up your Bibles. Let's go to the Word of the Lord together. Our hearts are open to receive His Word. The New Testament reading this morning is Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 28. Now hear the word of the Lord. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts to receive it, that we could understand, Lord, that we could hear from you directly, and know salvation in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Well, how do I know it's you? And how do you know it's me? Aren't you amazed at all the different ways that we're figuring out who one another is these days? At my last church, we actually installed thumbprint readers at the doors, biometric lock, not for all the members, just for the staff, just as an experiment. A friend of mine has one of those new doorbells. You push the doorbell and your face shows up on their phone and they can talk to you through their phone. And, and you don't know whether they're inside or, or they're up in the mountains or they're down on the beach or they're halfway around the world, but they know who you are. My um, banking app now logs me in through a facial recognition feature. I stare into the camera of my phone until it recognizes me and lets me in. The only problem is when I'm trying to log in early in the morning. Right after I've woken up and I haven't had a chance to have my shower or my shave or my first cup of coffee. There is little more discouraging than when your own phone 
looks back at you in the morning and says, now who are you supposed to be? John sent his disciples uh, to Jesus. Are you the one? Or do we wait for another? How do I know it is you? How do I know it's Jesus? How can we tell if this one, this Jesus, is the promised and the foretold Messiah? There's no thumb scanner. There's no pen for him to enter. There's no facial recognition software. We will know him by his deeds. Verse 22, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus makes himself known by what he does. And as we in particular are striving to develop ears to hear, there's one thing Jesus does that should pique our interest this morning. Jesus has the ability to awaken our senses. Jesus has the power to make the deaf here. This passage actually puts us in, in prison with John. Do you know that? It's really John's perspective that we're meant to take as Luke recounts this moment. And if you leafed over to Matthew 11, you would see that John sends his disciples and asks these questions from prison. John is in a place where he needs some good news. And I don't want to jump to the conclusion that John was himself feeling doubts about Jesus. Jesus has great things to say about the faith of John the Baptist. Maybe it was actually his, uh, his followers who were having doubts. I would forgive John if he were feeling doubts about who Jesus is because things are going very poorly for him in that moment as a follower of Jesus. But maybe it's, it's his disciples who keep peppering with him with questions. If this Jesus really is the one, then why are you stuck here in prison trying to follow and work in his name? At any rate, he sends his disciples to go to Jesus. Maybe to assuage their doubts, maybe to assuage his own. Is this the Messiah. What John's disciples saw when they came was a real life, actual fact, in the flesh fulfillment of messianic prophecy from Isaiah 35, which they would have known well. Isaiah 35, verses 4 and 5, in there we hear God will come. Your God will come. He will come and save you. And then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. And Jesus does these things. He proves his identity when he makes the blind see, when he makes the lame walk, when he cleanses lepers, when he raises the dead to life, when he preaches good news to the poor. Isn't that remarkable, by the way, that that's as big a miracle? And, And he proves his identity when he unstops the ears and the deaf are able to hear. If we want ears to hear, friends, We need the power of the one, the only one, who can open our ears. Now, I want to pause and say Jesus did these things, these healings, openly and naturally and physically, but but it was not Jesus' primary mission to remove all sickness or illness from the world. If that were his primary mission, then Jesus failed in his coming. 
So then what was Jesus' primary mission? What did he come to do? Well, Jesus primarily came to bear witness to the kingdom of God and to die as an atoning sacrifice for the sins and disobedience of the world. So the miracles that Jesus performs, he performs in order to reveal the character of God and the nature of his kingdom. Friends, I say this to you this morning only for this reason, to help you to understand that there is no guarantee in Christ that you and I will be healed of our physical ailments and disabilities. We may be, but we may not be. And the reason why Jesus heals is to reveal the character of God. And when he heals, we know that God is a God who loves and cares and makes things whole and that he has a kingdom where illness and disability do not hinder us from being just what we are meant to be before him. But let's get back to the main point. We know Jesus is Jesus because he has the power to make the blind see, to make the lame walk, to make the deaf hear, to make the dead live. We know Jesus is Jesus because he has the power to make himself known to us. This is the validating power of the Messiah. This is the proof we need to answer the question, are you the one or should we wait for another. The Word of God breaks forth from silence. The light of God shines forth in the darkness. If the Word of God doesn't come, we remain in silence. If the light of God fails to shine down on us, we stay in darkness. This is the only thing we know about God. All we can know about Him is what He tells us about Himself. I am the Lord your God, he says. There are no other gods beside me. There's no other thing or or no other way that we can know about God. We only have his self-declaration, his word coming forth to us. And we can only believe it or reject it. There's no real way to measure or to judge it. We can't compare it to anything else and decide its validity on our own. We can only hear it, have it come over us, and accept it or reject it. And that moment decides your eternal destiny. There's something profound in how Jesus sent his disciples to Jesus. They could have sat there hearing reports. The events were the events. The facts were the facts. All of that stayed the same. But their eyes and ears were opened when they came to Jesus himself. And Jesus, by his divine power, opened their eyes to see the kingdom and opened their ears to see his word. I think it was uh, the evangelist Luis Palau that I heard say this some years ago. Jesus doesn't stand at the crossroads. Jesus is the crossroads. When once you are confronted by the presence of Jesus, you must 
choose. You must decide. There is no objective third position in which to sit and watch and wait. You must recognize either this person, Jesus, is the Lord, my Savior, or else he is a a hapless fool. We need ears to hear. We need to to hear God perfectly and respond obediently, but, but we can't do it. We, we live in a sea of confusion. Our own hearts have confused motives and mixed loyalties. Our minds are darkened and twisted. It's almost impossible sometimes to see right from wrong. In short, we are darkened in our understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in us due to the hardening of our hearts, Ephesians 418, that is, that is, until the light of Christ breaks out on us, until the word of Christ fills our ears. We need to hear God, and we can't hear God, not by our own efforts, but Jesus comes to open our ears and empower us to hear God by His Spirit. That's the solution. That's the only solution. The only solution to our spiritual darkness is spiritual light from Christ. The only solution to our spiritual deafness is the voice of Christ, the Word of God incarnate. This is the solution. And so I ask you to to picture it. Picture life with Jesus. Picture a heart open to the Spirit of God. Picture your life walking with Jesus and hearing from Him by the power of the Spirit. Every moment walking with Him. And if you like what you see, then friends, just Go to him, go to Jesus and ask him. You know his deeds, but they are meaningless to you until you come to him and you say, Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one or do I wait for another? Friends, last week, before we gathered and just as we were gathering for worship, the news was was breaking out. It was coming to us from Orlando, again, suffering, again, murder, again, forces of evil running wild, accomplishing heartless and inhumane ends. One more massacre, only this time it's the largest terrorist act on American soil since 9-11. It's the the largest mass shooting in our our nation's history. The death toll is, is 49, and many more are injured because one confused and darkened man was overcome by evil and succumbed to hatred and and violence. How do we respond? Isn't that what you've been asking yourself all week? How do we respond? How How do we respond as Christians? What is a Christian to do? How do our churches and our leaders respond? Does it make a difference when something like this happens? Does it make any difference at all whether or not I have ears to hear? Friends, let me humbly suggest that it makes all the difference in the world. If you don't know Jesus, if you can't hear from Jesus, I humbly suggest 
You are probably immediately lost in the cloud of confusion billowing up from an event of such evil and such magnitude. And quickly, you you feel compelled to jump to a political side or to an ideological side and you start arguing to defend your position. You, You react emotionally and defensively to protect yourself and distance yourself from the pain. Quickly and desperately, you need some explanation that you can swallow and you rush impulsively to a position of self-defense. I might, <laughs> I might humbly suggest, as I've watched the, the blogs and the news and the political candidates and everything roll out this week, but if you know Jesus, if you can hear his word, it is different. You see the event through Jesus' eyes. You feel the event with Jesus' heart. You ask yourself immediately, Lord, what do you see? What do you, Lord, feel? Lord, what do you want me to see and feel? And as a hearer of the word of God, you're not lost in a sea of confusion, but you are aware of right and wrong. You have moral bearings to help you navigate, and some lines of of demarcation begin to emerge, but you're only asking, what does Jesus see? You don't react according to your own emotions, but you know and feel the heart of God in the event. You have little need to rush to a defensive position and and defend yourself from the pain. Rather, friends, with courage, you connect to the pain. You want to feel the pain that Jesus feels, and you want to express the compassion of the heart of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Somehow, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're empowered to do it. And you move toward the pain You're not driven impulsively to self-posturing and defensiveness, but you move at the impulse of Christ's love. I don't stand as some authority in front of you to tell you the answers to the questions that presented themselves in this event, okay? But I will tell you this. When evil comes, and it does come, be a hearer of the word of God. Ask the Lord to open your ears to hear his voice above all the competing voices and this, hearing from Jesus will make all the difference. Uh, Henri Nouwen wrote in his book, Making All Things New, he said, we are usually surrounded by so much outer noise that it is hard to truly hear our God when he is speaking to us. We have often become deaf. We need to learn to listen to God who constantly speaks but whom we seldom hear. Jesus was always listening to the Father, always attentive to his voice, always alert for his directions. Jesus was all ear. Can you say that together with me? Jesus was all ear. (laughs) That's true prayer, being all ear for God. What a difference it will make when God opens our ears. Can we, in a sea of, of confusion, even in the loudest of noise, can we be all ear for God? 
Friends, we know God in Jesus Christ. What do you see, he tells John's disciples. I'm not going to argue it with you. What do you see? We know God in Jesus Christ. God is a God who loves healing, who loves wholeness. God is a God who brings good news to the poor, who brings sight to the blind. God is a God who breaks into loneliness and fear and deafness with words of love and grace and everlasting joy. We know God in Jesus Christ. God abhors violence against the weak and helpless and vulnerable. God abhors bloodshed and inhuman mass murder. We worship a Savior who laid down his life to save sinners. God, God knows bloodshed. He gave his son. He gave his only son to shed his blood on the cross that whoever, whoever believes in his name is covered by his grace, forgiven of their sins, redeemed into everlasting life. God knows bloodshed. His son poured all of it out for you and for me that we can come home to him, that whoever, whoever calls on his name may be saved. Does it make a difference to hear and to know Jesus Christ? Does it make a difference? It makes all the difference in the world. Friends, it makes all the difference for eternity and it makes all the difference for you. Lord our God, would you open our ears to hear you? We've heard of your deeds, Jesus. We've heard tale of your character. But Lord, until each of us comes to you and opens our hearts and asks, is it you, Jesus? Are you the one? These deeds are are meaningless events. But Lord, when you come and open our ears and open our hearts and you call us home to salvation, then we know, we know that you are the Savior, that there is no death, no evil stronger than you, that you are victorious over death and that you are the one who ushers in eternal life. So Jesus, would you grab a hold of our hearts this morning and draw us close to you, lift up our heads above the pain and the confusion and the hurt of this world and help us to see your kingdom right and true and in light and coming. In Jesus' name, amen.